It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring, Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall. Jamie Dew. All right, excellent. I'm feeling really good about today. Thank you very much, Doug Donats, for that excellent announcement, as always. Before we get into anything, please wipe your feet before coming into the hall. We have a, uh, a look and feel that we're trying to uphold here. So there's that. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the SNL Hall of Fame. But this week, we're not doing that. This week, we have assembled a gaggle of pundits from the Saturday Night Network, and I'm really excited to have them reveal their ballots with me tonight on the SNL Hall of Fame podcast, roundtable number three. Sitting to my, sitting to my right, yes, sort of, <laughs> uh, I'm joined by Bill Kenny tonight. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great, Jamie. Thanks for having me back again. Uh, This was a lot of fun last year, a lot of interesting conversation and debate about who deserved to get in. So I'm really excited to uh, reveal my ballot. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting that you've got a ballot to compare against. You know, there were there omissions this year that were locks for you last year. I'm real curious as we peel this onion. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I have a new respect for baseball Hall of Fame voters now, who some years there's the obvious choices. Sometimes it's 20 deep and you have to cut off people who you normally would put in. I feel like that's what this ballot's like. Well, we we made the decision again this year to go with up to 15 votes. How many did you opt to use on your ballot tonight? All 15. Excellent. And you did last year as well, from what I recall. Yes. Yes, I did. All right. Now, new to the roundtable this year is Sammy Kay. And Sammy, I'm real pleased to have you join us. And I'm curious about what your expectations are, you know, uh, as you put together your ballot and put it all together, I guess. Yes. That's what I'm going to say. Well, Jamie, thank you for having me. Um, you know, some people who have listened to me on the SNL Network or other podcasts know I'm a, I'm a big movie fan and a big Oscar fan specifically. So it's Oscar season right now. And so I'm in the, the, the spirit of looking at all these ballots that are kind of being posted on these websites of these anonymous Oscar voters and yelling at people for their ballot. And now I'm on the other end of it, in a sense. Um, but instead of having that uh, anonymity uh, tonight, I am gonna, you know, show everybody what I'm voting for, and people can yell at me. So I'm expecting people to maybe yell at me. I guess that would be part of my expectation here. But uh, I mean, most importantly, I'm just excited to have fun and just talk about um, some just absolute legends um, in SNL, and you know whether or not I 
deem them to be worthy of this honor to be in the Hall of Fame. How many uh, votes did you cast? Yeah, this might be cheating because, you know, I have basically like a solid 12 and then I have three people slotted in right at the end. So I did technically use all 15. I'm, I'm feeling not so firm on those last three. And I, I think as we um, have this conversation, those will either be put into stone or, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what, how it shakes out. But definitely a firm 12 votes were used for me. All right. And joining us uh, again, a, a two-timer here on the roundtable, roundtable number three in this case, is our friend John Schneider. How are you doing, John? I'm doing great, Jamie. So excited to be here. I know you always ask me to wipe my feet, so I went and got a pedicure for you just to make sure everything is all clean <laughs> as I walk into the Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah, very pumped to be here. Last year when we did this in May, it was quite the lively affair as I got together with Bill and Nicole and Andrew Dick to debate who deserves to get in on the first ballot. Some of these people potentially getting in on their second ballot. So different criteria tonight. And I'm excited to tell everybody why my ballot is the best ballot. And that's why we're here for. <laughs> yes. How many votes did you end up using? So I did use all 15. I can be convinced to take somebody off my ballot and put somebody else on. You know, that's what we're here for. But uh, I hope to convince others that maybe they should take people off of theirs and put some of mine on there. I mean, I think that the key for tonight is the ballots should be a little bit fluid. And then we finalize as we get to the end. Excellent. This is great. This is high drama. Well, let's uh, start at the start here, and we will go to Mr. Bill Kenny and hear his first balloteer nominee <laughs> vote. Well, Jamie, I I have to start with, of course, the one I had the honor of nominating uh, a few months back with Thomas, um, and that's Jan Hooks, all-time SNL cast member on the show for five seasons, and in my mind, the most important female in the history of SNL. As I oh, said, more about that. Yeah, I, well, as I said to Thomas, you know, it was such a dark time from the time the original cast left when Gilda and Lorena Jane left, and the women were just relegated to these tiny roles. Even the these brilliant artists like Julia Louis Dreyfus, Mary Gross, uh, Robin Duke. And they, they had nothing to do on the show. And uh, when Jan came on, she was just such a tour de force. She did not let herself get put behind the boys club uh, with such stalwarts as Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey. And she, she held her own and she had her own characters. And if you ask any female cast members since then, I think they would tell you that Jan was one of the biggest influences. Kristen Wiig said as much. Lorraine Newman herself said on Twitter that Jan Hooks was the greatest cast member of all time. So if a not ready for prime time player can say that, then I've got to say it too. She had so many great characters, Sweeney Sisters, Marge Keister, her Betty Davis impression uh, in that all-time classic sketch, and margaret Tammy Faye. I mean, there, it, the list goes on and on, and she was taken from us way too early. And we didn't get to see a lot of her after her career on SNL. She never really came back except for the anniversary show. But I wish that she had. I wish that we had a couple of hosting gigs to see her in the past with as well. So Jan Hooks is my number one uh, nominee going in. There is the headline. Jan Hooks with the number one pick. Wow. 
Uh, fellas, do either of you have Jan Hooks on your lists at all? So I definitely had Jan Hooks on my list. I would say there are a few cast members that I have above Jan Hooks who I believe in totality probably you know, it, is, it might be comparing apples and oranges, but, you know, probably had a better SNL career than Jan Hooks. But I think with regards to legacy, it's she has a really important place in SNL's history. And I really look and, and I say this with the caveat of being on this panel with with three other men, but I'll say that uh, women in SNL's history have a really interesting arc, right? Because, you know, pre 2000, pre Tina Fey becoming the first female head writer in the history of the show, there was not uh, it wasn't a great place for women to work. I mean, every woman who's worked at the show has said that. And I would say that with all respect to Gilda Radner and Jane Curtin, who had excellent careers on the show, I believe that pre-2000, Jan Hooks is probably the woman that stands out as defying the odds in a era that wasn't great for women on the show. Now, it, it really depends what you value as a cast member on the show, because in the post 2000 era, and I'll say in post 2010, obviously, it changes even more, and it became a female driven show. But post 2000, there are a lot of women who had major, amazing careers on the show that I think are just as good as if not better than Jan Hooks. So the question with Jan for me is not does she deserve to get into the Hall of Fame, but to Bill's point about her being the greatest female cast member, member of all time, is it like, do we look at it because she succeeded so much in her era? And if we're not looking at the era when talking about Jan versus her contemporaries or versus other women in the SNL history, then I'm not sure that I would put her in over some other women in the history of SNL. Saying all of that... She's had an amazing career, obviously deserves to get in. Phil Hartman got in last year. You can't put in Phil without Jan. So for me, uh, I love Jan Hooks on the show, and I'm happy to also have her on my ballot. Yeah, well, you know, we can make it a a clean sweep here because Jan Hooks is also on my ballot. Um, Not near the top, you know, definitely not in those first couple of slots. She's like right in the middle uh, of my ballot personally. And I mean, for me, that might just be, um, you know, a bit, bit of an age thing for, for myself. Obviously, it's uh, an era of the show that, you know, I wasn't even born to really kind of experience that firsthand. But just from like an objective perspective of looking at kind of the, 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 the desert that was the 80s for SNL as how and how it was you know not great for, for women. She was she was certainly a trailblazer. I was recently watching a video where was right around the time she passed and, and John Lovitz was being interviewed about her and and she and he even called her like the female Phil Hartman and you know they were such a great duo Bill I actually listened to your episode talking about Jan today like in preparation and you know you said you you said everything that needed to be said and it makes a ton of sense why she was you know your number one choice on your ballot so um you know I definitely think she uh, deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame and as someone who talks about SNL on a show where we kind of look back at old episodes and old sketches, someone that, you know, I think I could probably do a better job as a, as a pundit and kind of, you know, pointing people in the right direction, you know, cause she has so many great sketches that I feel like, and I don't know if they've been like lost to time, but it, it's someone that I think we could prop up and talk about like a lot more uh, in the community. Before we move on, can I ask Bill just for his two cents on Jen, something I said about Jen? Yeah. 
Yeah, Bill, just would love to know what you think, because we never get to have Jan Hooks talk really on the Saturday Night Network unless you guys are on the Superfan Takeover. But like, do you see what I'm saying? Because I, I have no doubt she's your favorite of all time, probably. And you have this love for Jan Hooks. And I, I do, too. Just like it's really hard to look at her career and say, like, damn, that was a better career than, let's say, you know, Kristen, who we may talk about tonight or Kate or Cecily, you know, like, think about that. Well, here's the thing. And, and you're not wrong. But I think that without Jan, do we get Kristen and Kate and Cecily the way that we did? Not that they wouldn't have been on the show, but it, it's almost it, it's not an equal comparison, but it's almost like a Jackie Robinson situation. Was he the greatest player of all time? No, but he was so good. He would have been a Hall of Famer in any other scenario, and he was a trailblazer, and he led the way. So are you going to put his statistics above some of his you know, later contemporaries? No, but without him, do you get to the next part? So I think that's why it's the most important. I'll take that. Great. That's fair. Great analogy. Well, sticking with sticking with Sammy, do you want to name your first ballot? Yeah, uh, your first absolutely. Vote? This was kind of you know tricky, kind of ranking them all for me because you know definitely when you get to the top, it is um, hard to kind of parse out like who is that kind of number one person. Um, and for me, it's Will Ferrell with this crop of nominees. I think it's definitely something you can argue that you know he he is the greatest cast member of all time. He's somebody who has can kind of fit into any era and kind of has shown that because he has come back and hosted, you know, a number of times and, and not just in kind of a, a condensed time period. He's, he's come back and hosted in, you know, a couple of different eras as recently as, you know, a couple of years ago. He has three best ofs, you know, there, there's, you know, that's something he's, you know, said on the show uh, and, you know, the hundredth digital short. And I think Will Ferrell kind of, you know, we always compare, cast members to other cast members you know and you know with this season we're like is this person kind of filling in kate mckinnon's role or, or cecily's role or whoever and i think for will ferrell he kind of created his own archetype on the show as like a will ferrell kind of performer he he was kind of one of a kind had such incredible energy was even able to pop in and do and do impressions obviously george bush is is one of the most famous and, and beloved kind of SNL celebrity impressions of all time. And uh, yeah, just just so many characters and and really defined his era as on the show as the Will Ferrell era. So, you know, you look at the people who are currently in the Hall of Fame and you look at Will Ferrell and it just makes perfect sense that he should have a place there as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, just a, a fantastic, fantastic pick. Curious what your fellow round tablers uh, feel about this pick. To me, Will is no doubt a first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely, you have to put him in. I think he is one of the, you know, he has a rare cast member in that, like, the second he gets on the show, the show becomes incredibly better. And then the second he leaves the show, the show is noticeably worse. Like, it's it's amazing to watch. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, these, these great and grand stories of how Eddie Murphy saved SNL. Like, Will Ferrell saved SNL to me. I mean, I think SNL was probably at its lowest point, you know, for a show that was on for 20 years. And they were like, okay, maybe it's time to call it quits. Uh, and then we lose some, what would end up being some really, really big names in terms of the history of the show. Sandler, uh, Farley, uh, Phil Hartman left a couple years earlier. Like, it's just like, it felt that that golden era had gone away. 
And Will comes on the show with some, and he has amazing contemporaries that he's, he worked with. But I think what's most fascinating for me about his era is oftentimes we don't call the Will Ferrell era the golden era. We call it the Will Ferrell era because he was so much greater than anything we could see on the show. Every sketch, you look forward to just seeing him in it. And I, I think there's another comparison to that, which will we'll come up in a little bit and we'll talk about. But I think that Will Ferrell is one of a handful of cast members in the history of the show that absolutely dominated their era when they were on. And to Sammy's point, I think he could have done it in most eras of the show. So it's no doubt for me. I'm a giant fan of professional wrestling, and I often look at the career of Dwayne The Rock Johnson right now and go, I can't believe that I used to watch him like in 1997 and 1998 in the wwf or wwe rather uh, i i just can't believe that those two things are the same and i feel the same way with will ferrell like on snl to a large degree now it just almost feels like like did we really go through that did we really live through that and and get to experience somebody that talented and that good at the game of snl because you know like Boy, oh boy, he dominated. He just dominated. It's like when one of your classmates from high school like ends up going off and becoming super successful. You're like, yeah, I knew them once. Like, I went to school yeah. with them. Like, that's what it is yeah. with Will. It's like, okay, he's dominating the box office. It's like, we knew him when he was just Will Ferrell. That's right. When he was getting the kids off the shed. Uh, <laughs> where was he on your list, Bill? Uh, number two. Number, number two, two, right behind Jan. The only pushback I'll give a little bit to John I don't think he saved the show as much as Eddie did, only because he came in with better people. Whether or not he propped them up, did the chicken lay the egg, you know, what came first? But uh, you know, being on there with somebody like Keckner and uh, Mark McKinney, Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon, it was a better group around him when he came on the show, but the show was definitely in a lot of trouble as someone who lived through that and was sure that they weren't going to make it. I mean, the show was so bad in season 20 with all of these people that we adore now. And for them to come in with this mostly brand new cast and be able to do what they did was nothing short of miraculous and Will deserves a lion's share of the credit. But yeah, I mean, we just did uh, on the Saturday Night Network, we just did the greatest episode draft. And I kept getting, I was trying to split up my picks between eras and I kept coming back to Will. I, I wanted, I could have done a Will Ferrell episode just based on all the stuff that he had done, the pre tapes that he had done, the characters, the impressions. He was so incredible what, what he was able to do. And he did make the people around him better, better for sure. So. John likes to say he doesn't like to rank cast members. I put him in the top five. I don't know if I can put a number one or a number two, but he is definitely in the top five of all time for me. And I do like to rank cast members. I just like to define the criteria. I think a lot of people don't define what the criteria is. So I think that's a different. Okay, that's fair. Will Ferrell off the list for all three of you. So let's go down to the uh, bottom left corner with our friend John Schneider and, uh, Find out what his first pick is going to be. 
Absolutely. So I mentioned that we're going to talk about somebody else who I feel sort of dominated their era. And uh, it's another cast member that I have to put off the board. I have four cast members on my ballot. We talked about two. I'm going to talk about the third of my four right now. And that would be Kristen Wiig, who I did nominate for the SNL Hall of Fame. To me, this is no doubt. I think that, you know, she basically is the last piece of what becomes my golden era in the history of the show. They put together the perfect recipe of all of these SNL greats. And Kristen ended up being the cherry on top. And she comes in completely built in a lab to be on Saturday Night Live. Like literally everything you would want, take your, take the best parts of ev- anyone who's ever been on the show prior and put them into Kristen Wiig. And she is there. And the incredible moments that we have of the recurring characters and, you know, as she starts to work with pretty much every single one of her contemporaries on the show is incredible. She was influential to a ton of people who were watching the show at the time who would go off and repeat her catchphrases or just know her as either the target lady or Penelope or whatever she was doing on the show. And then comes a point where she starts to rise above the crop as she becomes, you know, works her way through her SNL career. And it starts to become The Kristen Show, which is really, really hard to do in what is considered one of the greatest eras in the history of the show to be the dominant player there. And I find that she does that for many of her later seasons on the show. And I I have found that she's a little bit polarizing because you have to love Kristen to be able to enjoy some of that work later on. But it's clear to me that everyone who worked at the show seemed to love her. I know Everyone in my life seemed to love her. And then, of course, we end off her career with this incredible moment, probably the greatest send-off in the history of the show with Mick Jagger singing her, singing to her and uh, everybody dancing with her, Lauren Michaels dancing with her. I mean, she is as iconic as it gets. And to me, this is a no-doubt, no-brainer first ballot Hall of Famer as someone who you can't tell the story of Saturday Night Live without. I love it. A, a no-brainer, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Kristen Wiig. Yeah, I'm not even going to say, is she on your list, fellas? Like, <laughs> this is, where does she show up in the top five on your on your list? Well, what if she wasn't? What if she wasn't on my list? No, wow. I mean, similar, similar <laughs> to John. Similar to John, you know, we're around the same age. We've talked a lot about how, like, this is our era of the show. And and Kristen is is number four on my list. And the two people in between, you know, Will Ferrell and, and her also happened to come from this era. So, you know, it, it kind of goes to show like just my appreciation for it. But um, yeah, no, it, it is pretty incredible when you look back to kind of see all the talent that was around and or was on the cast at that time and how successful they've all become and still are today and all working together with in, uh, in each other's projects. The fact that Kristen was able to kind of, you know, become the star it is really amazing. And that's a really good point, John. And and to the point where, uh, unfortunately, for a couple of years on the show, for the other female cast members, it was kind of hard to get airtime because there was somebody like Kristen who was just uh, was just becoming so big and kind of taking over the show. And yeah, she just has you know so many incredible characters that you know they brought back time and time again. And I think that is a big reason why, you know, she could be considered polarizing, especially, you know, during that era with recurring characters could sometimes be brought back two, three, four, five times too many. But, um, you know, I, I think now that we're kind of removed, obviously we're a, a decade now removed from her time on the show. I, I do think even for people who were kind of polarized by, by that, I think 
have even come around to the fact that, you know, she's kind of a no brainer as far as like an all time great on the show. Yeah, I'm she's number four on my list as well. And uh, the polarization always stymied me. I've never quite I I get like if you liked Nassim or you liked Abby Elliott and they weren't getting a lot of airtime. If if the SNL network was on at that time, we'd we'd be talking constantly about how the fact that these very talented women uh, were not getting enough time on the show. But to you can't blame that on Kristen. Like if if Kristen's sitting in that meeting on Tuesday and they're like, we need you to do another Gilly. Is she going to say no? Like, no, of course she's not. She's going to want to do that. So uh, there's very few people that would walk away and say, no, I'm, I'm not doing those characters anymore. This was, you know, too much. So I think that's a little unfair to Kristen, those who don't appreciate her. Uh, I hope Sammy's right and that the passage of time has kind of eased up on that thinking a little bit. But yeah, she she's right up there with the best of all time. She's another cast member who... Put her in any era, and she's going to hold her own. And she she did so much on the show. And let's let's put this little comparison of Jan Hooks and Kristen Wiig together. They both did Kathy Lee Gifford, Sandra Day O'Connor, Diane Sawyer, and Anne Margaret. So, I mean, what else do you have to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely adore her. I, I I think that the the storybook ending is is so wonderful. And uh, I think she's just a dynamite pick. So great work. We'll stay with you, Bill, and get your next reveal. Well, I'm going to go with yet another cast member. I've got a lot of cast members on my list. It's hard to avoid with with so much talent on the ballot. But uh, this this may be somebody who was a little polarizing, too, because of uh, how much they did their characters. When they first came on the show, I wasn't a fan because they were breaking up my family. You know, I had the cast from 86 to 89, and it was these eight solid people, and we didn't need any outsiders coming in here and messing that up. Um, But he came out and killed from his first episode, has the biggest hit movie of all time in SNL history, probably either one or two. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Myers. He was such an incredible... Uh, to to walk into a cast that had gelled as much as that 86 to 91 cast had as this very young, fresh-faced Canadian boy. But he had all these characters in his back pocket coming into the show. He had Dieter. He had Wayne's World. and and But then he built on that. He, he had uh, not a lot of impressions, but he was on the show so much. Uh, you know, he had the middle-aged man character, which was very funny. Lothar of the Hill People. Linda Richmond, of course. And, uh, you know, he, this was an era where they did a lot of recurring characters too much. And he was a victim of that a bit, but again, not his fault. And it was always very funny. And to be able to take that Wayne's World 10 to 1 sketch and turn it into this massive $200 million movie is nothing short of miraculous. You know, you can say Blues Brothers, yes, but that was music. Like you can, you can flesh that out with as much talent as they had in that this was a five minute sketch which as we know doesn't typically work in the snl universe it's pat um so (laughs) yeah i i I think mike myers is a no-brainer uh had a great six years on the show uh had a great career afterwards not to even mention he, he never got to do austin powers on the show i mean he did dr evil when he came back at some point but uh so yeah that that's my third pick 
John, I'm curious what you think. Uh, I'm curious what both of you think based on some of the conversations we've had on the other roundtables. So, so where, where does Mike Myers fit into the puzzle of John? So he's not on my ballot, actually. And uh, the reason is, is because, yes, I do agree with part of your point, Bill, that he absolutely comes in fully formed. He's probably one of the best prospects that's ever debuted in the history of the show. I think he's probably one of the more skilled sketch performers that's ever been on Saturday Night Live. But as far as in the totality of his career, he was never the MVP of any season that he was on. He is in an era that Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey, Jan Hooks, and then later, you know, Farley and Sandler dominate while he is there. He is what I would call somebody who has a couple spots in the show dedicated to him, where he's going to have a Sprockets or he's going to have, you know, uh, like a, a Wayne's World. But and those are going to be great. And people are going to talk about them, you know, for for years to come. But if I'm just looking at like compared to some of the other people on this list who absolutely dominated their eras, to me, Mike Myers is a Hall of Famer, but not this time. There's too many greats on the list for me to sacrifice one of them in comparison to somebody who, in my opinion, was probably the third or fourth best cast member in a given season they were on the show. Yeah, John, that's setting the criteria for what a Hall of Famer is. Uh, raising that bar, I, I love it. Uh, Sammy, I apologize for cutting you off there. No, no, you're good. I was just, uh, I guess, eager to jump in there because I, you know, I mentioned before how I had like a 12 solid people on my ballot and then I had these three tweener spots. And Mike Myers is number 15 on my list. And it's something that while I've been doing this process, I've been kind of trying to figure out like why, why is that? Because when I first got into SNL, one of the first people whose like best of DVDs I got was Mike Myers. And probably because I was already a, a built in fan of his from like the Austin Powers movies, which are some of my favorite things that some of my favorite comedies as a kid and, and Shrek. So as like a comedy legend, like outside of the show, he is, you know, in my opinion, one of the greats, especially when you look at like character actors and people who can totally get lost in their characters, which is something that is a good attribute to have to be a successful SNL cast member. But it, it might just be uh, the reason why he's a tweener for me is because he was surrounded by so many greats and, you know, kind of similar to what you were saying, John, not necessarily being, and I'm not saying you need to be the star of SNL to make it onto the hall of fame, but I don't know. There, it, It's almost like an, an unquantifiable thing to me as to why he was just like right on the cusp for me there. And I, and I think he's still, you know, like I said, he's number 15. If I end up using all my votes, uh, I'll probably end up voting, voting for him. I mean, he has so many memorable characters. Wayne's World is the biggest SNL movie, probably my favorite SNL movie. And you can argue that him and Dana Carvey as like a duo are maybe like the best SNL duo of all time. And I think Dana Carvey is like a slam dunk, one of the best. I mean, Wayne and Garth. Um, and, and I'd argue Dana Carvey is a slam dunk, dunk first ballot SNL cast member, but he's obviously not in the running this year. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of thoughts in my head and conflicting thoughts on, on, on this one, which I, I think is very interesting. And, and I'd be curious to see if other people kind of have this kind of mixed feeling on whether or not to put them on their ballot. 
I, I would say also like before you go, just go ahead, Bill, and then and then obviously uh, give you free reign to respond to us. But to me, it's it's sort of like a Fred Armisen syndrome a little bit. Not that they're the exact same cast members, but it's like Fred is was like such a great cast member, right? But then you're like he's on the cast with like Bill and Kristen and <laughs> Jason. It's like it's it starts to get like there's a lot of depth there, which makes him a victim of his era potentially. So curious if you did completely disagree with us. Well, I, I'd ask you, John, specifically, knowing how you feel about this certain cast member, substitute the name Mike Myers with Will Forte. And if Will Forte was on this ballot, I think that's a similar career trajectory as far as never being the MVP of a season, has these classic characters, these quotable moments, but never rose above the Bills and the Christens. Would you put Will Forte in in that scenario? So I, I think that's... Wow. Yeah, I would not. Breaking I, I, news. Yeah, I mean, when we did when we did our cast draft, uh, like in the summer of 2021, uh, Forte wasn't taken. I mean, yeah. to me, there's uh, like I'm. I have to be. You know, I, I he's my favorite, and I understand that Mike uh, may be one of yours, but I have to also just be be fair to all the people who are listening to us who respect our opinions on SNL and just say that I don't. I would not put Forte in over the people on my list. Absolutely. And I wouldn't even say Mike is one of my favorites, to be quite honest. Uh, I, I would on that list on that 86 to 91 list, he would be middle of the pack for sure. I mean, he's behind at least four or five people for me. So I, I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying. But I, I don't know. I still think with his overall uh, breadth of what he was able to do, I think uh, he's in. Jamie, can you tell us what the other roundtable said about Mike Myers? Uh, similar argument, uh, similar argument that, you know, one person had them ranked really high and then one person didn't have them on the ballot at all. And their argument was a little bit out of the spirit of what we're going for, because basically what he said was he was really good at Saturday Night Live, but that's, that's sort of it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, like, like he did good feature films, like some good feature films, but never like, so I married an ax murder is, is, is great, but it never got above that level. Like it never, he never took it above that level. Like, and he was hot, you know, the, the hot sketch. Uh, where did he rank? Uh, where did Wayne's world rank on the top sketches when you counted them down? Uh, that was definitely, uh, in the top, on the top 20, right? Oh yeah. Top Wayne's five? world uh wayne's world was number wayne and garth were number four as when we did rank this summer the greatest uh recurring characters of all time so uh okay. they definitely were up there as far as characters were concerned but obviously not the same criteria as what we're evaluating today yeah, yeah it's, it's almost it's, like if if you had a uh you know a hall of fame for snl characters like a, a first ballot would be no doubt. you know wayne's world wayne and garth sort of thing yes. versus yeah, like you know is is he greater than the sum of his parts sort of scenario i guess yeah did he make the team better or did he make him better I, I i don't know i think he gets in eventually but not for me right now okay uh well well john who would you put in next so uh i will say like i said four cast members on my ballot i'm gonna finish up my fourth cast member which is right at the top of my list and uh that would be a contemporary of Kristen's. would be bill Hader. To me, this is, uh, you know, in, in comparison to what we were talking about with Mike, this is a no doubt as far as, you know, had moments where he was dominating the era right before Kristen Wiig, I think, starts to take over in the post Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph world. 
it is Bill Hader who is probably leading the pack in that golden era. So he comes in, like he has one of the best first episodes probably in the history of the show. Um, we get that amazing moment with him and Andy Samberg on Weekend Update where they're going back and forth and he's doing all of these impressions. And it's like, whoa, who is this guy? And, you know, you're watching him and the things that he can do. And he is like, he just came in with like a basket of like skills that was phil hartman-esque right like that's that was the first time since phil hartman that anybody's come in and they're like whoa he can not only have amazing characters but he could play a straight guy in a sketch and be really really funny with it you know it's like you know will ferrell like we talked about had a lot of elements of what make a great snl cast member i think bill Hader has more skills even than will ferrell does on the show but Bill, to me, was probably in an era where he was less forced to use them as much as Will Ferrell did. So as far as, you know, longevity is concerned, definitely uh, hits that mark. He's eighth all time in uh, sketch appearances, uh, seventh among cast members. And for me, still probably even deserved more of a celebration when his career ended. And he's come back to host twice since then, has had some really good episodes. He's talked a lot since his time on the show about the difficulties he had and the anxiety that he had when he was on the show. And obviously, a lot of people can uh, sympathize with with him and uh, his feelings. But the crazy thing was, is like you would never know it watching him on the show, how nervous and anxious he was, because every time you turn on Saturday Night Live from 2005 to 2013, Bill Hader made you laugh. And uh, to me, he's, again, a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer. 100% agree as well. He was on my, he was on my ballot for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, this, he, he is that upper echelon of the Hall of Famer. I mean, I think the only other person in the history of the show that you can compare him to in regards to being able to do as many impressions as he did, along with as many characters as he did, is Phil Hartman. Um, you know, you've got the Daryl Hammonds who are in their lane, who are, you know, doing all these impressions. And then you've got the people who are doing characters and, and like the Mike Myers and things of that nature. But it's very, very rare to find somebody who's so good at both. You know, we, we've been talking a lot this this season about James Austin Johnson and, and getting him into these straight roles, finding a place for him when he's not doing Biden or Trump or something to that nature. Um, and Hader had that. And, uh, you know, he, he was the ultimate gamer in uh, a classic, classic era, the last really great era of SNL. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely on my ballot as well. Yeah, no, Bill Hader was number three on my ballot. So um, as far as like all-time cast members are concerned, I mean, he's definitely top five for me as well. Uh, he is, like these guys have said or have alluded to, he is kind of like the closest thing to a Phil Hart Hartman level performer that we've had on the show with how versatile he was and how many different things he was able to do. He wasn't ever pigeonholed to doing one thing and when you kind of look back at all the different characters he did, um, obviously Stefan is the one that we would have to highlight as far as um, the uh, of like the last 10 or 20 years of the show. Um, one, one of the biggest characters and the one that I think kind of transcended and you still kind of see like as far as like meme culture goes, you still see like, you know, kind of Stefan, Stefan memes and gifs, you know, on Twitter and things like that. So. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know like what more I could say about Bill Hader other than like he's, you know, one of my favorites and 
And then when I saw he was nominated, he was like a slam dunk pick for me. Just going back to Stefan, it reminds me of it reminds me of Apple the the way they talk about some of their products now. They'll say, you know, uh, their services are a Fortune 100 business. You know, just their services alone are a Fortune 100 business. And I feel like you can do that with Bill Hader. You can say like Stefan is like a Fortune 500 company on his own, like just as that character. If Bill Hader doesn't have that character. He's still spectacular, but Stefan could be spectacular as as a as a just a one off character that somebody else had. It's it's very uh, far out. What else is interesting to me is all four of you have revealed your top four at this point, I believe, and they're all cast members. You've identified that, and that makes sense. These are the people that we see on the stage. And they're the ones that are personifying the work of the writers and um, getting that business out there. But what's interesting is all four of the cast members you chose are are new to the ballot this year. There was no revisiting, or was there? Jamie, I actually uh, have not revealed my my four. Oh. I've revealed my one, three, and four. Oh, my number shoot. two. I'm sorry. Th- no, no, don't worry about it. But I think this is a good time to kind of jump into that. Do it. It's like a per- perfect, perfect transition point because this is someone who was on the ballot last year. And when I saw that they did not make the Hall of Fame, I was pretty shocked that they weren't a first ballot Hall of Famer for you know what they did for the show, and they. Um, aren't a cast member. They're, they're writers uh, on the show. It's the Lonely Island. I mean, I, I think uh, looking at the numbers, they got over 50% as far as like they appeared on over 50% of the ballots, but didn't make that threshold. As far as like talking about things that saved the show, I don't know if you can quite say that for the SNL digital shorts, but you know, bringing SNL to the 21st century and, and really taking advantage of the ability to make viral content and, and, and make things that just like popped with people my age. I mean, I, I don't think that me and my friends would be big SNL fans if we didn't watch it when we were in middle school. And it just so happened that The Lonely Island was making those digital shorts and, and coming out with things like Lazy Sunday and Dick in a Box like around that time. And then I, I don't know if I, I would be as big of an SNL fan if those kind of things didn't align at like that exact same, you know, the exact right moment for me. Um, you know, on the SNL network, we did a whole best of the SNL digital shorts episode where we talked about so many of the digital, sh- digital shorts that they did on the show. And for me, it, it was, it was, it was hard to, um, it, it, when you like go back and watch them all, there, there's just like way more than people talk about. Like, obviously people talk about, um, you know, I'm on a boat and the, and the music videos that really popped, but they were just like very consistent on the show and had their own space to kind of do whatever they want. And they opened the doors. I mean, obviously they had, you know, in the past pre-tapes on the show going as far back to, you know, Albert Brooks during the first season. But, um, you know, they definitely made the SNL digital short or the, the pre-tape on the show, something that you wouldn't ever not have a pre-tape on SNL anymore going forward. And I think that is... Um, because of the Lonely Island and their contributions, uh, so yeah, they're they're number two on my list, and I I rank them that high because you know I I need them to get into the Hall of Fame, and I'm I'm pretty disappointed they weren't last year, and so this is kind of a a statement uh, that I'm trying to make on my ballot that you know you you guys messed up last year, 
and we gotta we gotta you know pick up the pieces this year. Yeah, it's so strange. Uh, perhaps this is an indication that I need to run an A and B ballot or something like that to pretest things, and maybe it shouldn't have been the Lonely Island. Maybe it should have been on the ballot, like there are three names, so people would have saw Andy Samberg and and you know been more likely to vote for it. I don't know. But yeah, it got 52.9% of the vote last year, and we're actually delighted to be joined by the person who nominated them, and that is uh, John. If you want to um, expand on anything Sammy said, or reiterate anything you said last year, or perhaps dazzle us with something brand new. Well, Jamie, you do whatever you have to do to get them onto <laughs> onto the Hall of Fame because this is a travesty. What are we doing? Uh, right? Y- yes, uh, absolutely. This is this is crazy uh, to me. If you didn't hear my thoughts previously, I'll give you just a brief summary. But uh, nobody's had more influence on me in my life probably than my parents, I guess. But uh, the Lonely Island, you know, the, <laughs> maybe 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 the Lonely Island over my parents. But I. <laughs> Honestly, just absolutely loved them coming onto the show, Andy, Akiva, and Yorma. And, you know, during the most influential years of my life, which are typically high school, that Lauren traditionally talks about as being uh, the most important time to watch the show, they, like increased my high school experience like tenfold just in just how much fun that we would have and that you know from a social perspective we would get together uh friends and i to watch these shorts and you know make you know versions of them ourselves and they were just like the the fact that they got like all of these celebrities to come on in week after week and like do fun things with them it was just like it made snl cool again you know like that that's a really big deal and Besides just like talking about me, I mean, how about the fact that like they sort of like made YouTube, you know, that's that's a huge thing that I talked about when I did nominate them last year is that uh, YouTube starts and then they, you know, everything that every generation z and and you know like kids being born these days like all they ever do is like take videos and post them on tiktok right like you know like hey like lonely island kind of started that and right when youtube was going they had the viral videos there and i just think that like they were the thing you know generations of snl watchers looked forward to most for a long time on the show put up brilliant work i don't know that you could really argue against having them in the hall of fame so to me this was a stunning upset last year not to put them in the writers got no love on the ballot last year not at all it's it's kind of stunning but when you look back at and we'll talk about some of these writers later on i'm sure but it's hard to find what they wrote necessarily especially from the 70s and the 80s kind of having to hunt down but the lonely island is right there for you (laughs) and it's so funny they did so many of them it, put all that aside, they changed the trajectory of SNL, period. Nothing in the last 20 years has changed the way people watch SNL more than The Lonely Island. I'm always going to be a guy who watches it live, but I'm also the guy who's going to be watching on Sunday, re-watching on YouTube, looking at those videos, and they started that. And that's so, so important to keeping the show alive. Uh, you know, would it still be here if Lonely Island? Yes. But I don't think we'd be seeing anywhere near what we've seen. Um, I don't think any of the stuff that came after them, you know, Beck and Kyle, uh, PDD, they were obviously hugely influenced by the Lonely Island. So I, I think that's a no doubter. Uh, they were number seven on mine. 
True that. And, and Jamie, can I also just say uh, to the audience, because this is going to be my my thesis for this particular podcast, when we get to some other writers that are on my particular ballot, please, I'm begging you, do not discount the writers when you are making your votes. Yes, there are some sexy names that are hosts of the show that have been cast members, but like, we want this to be like really legit. So really consider about like who helped make this show as influential as it was. And when we, you know, argue about why certain writers should be in the Hall of Fame, it's important to remember that. Couldn't have said that better myself. That's exactly it, right? You guys are, you know, these these early these early Hall of Famers are shaping what the Hall of Fame is and what it means to be a Hall of Famer. So, you know, their omission is um is a, is a terrible one for sure. On a more positive note, let's hear somebody else's next ballot. Where did I leave off? Where Who is up to bat next? Is it you, Bill? Well, I am going to bring in the first host of this uh, roundtable. This easily one of the top five hosts of all time, if not the best host of all time. Ten-time host, all the way back to season 11. Five cold opens in those hosting, which is unheard of. 10 cameos on top of that, uh, has worked with every era uh, since season 11. Of course, I'm talking about Tom Hanks. There's so few hosts that can go into multiple eras. We just saw it with Steve Martin last month. Alec Baldwin, who may or may not come up later, is another one. But, you know, a lot of these hosts kind of stick to their eras, and we're, we're starting to see that more and more with John, Han- John Hams and the Justin Timberlakes. But Tom just, he I mean, he was in just a couple of months ago in a cameo, and it was like the highlight of the season up to that point. So many good characters, all the way back to Mish- Mr. Short-Term Memory, uh, Girl Watcher with John Lovitz. And uh, he had some decent impressions, too. I mean, he's done Dean Martin. He did Dennis Miller uh, at the Weekend Update desk. And of course, he started us with the Five Timers Club back in 1990. He was the first one officially inducted into that group and brought back into that secret room with Mr. Steve Martin and Paul Simon. But yeah, I mean, he, he's been with us through so much. Uh, he, he got us through uh, the at-home era uh, in 2020, uh, the Christmas episode last year, in 2021 rather, where the show basically got canceled because of COVID. Uh, and he was able to kind of step in and sit there with Paul Rudd and, and put together what they could. Just a, a tour de force, never mind his acting skills. I mean, he's he's such a brilliant actor. I've loved him all the way back to Bosom Buddies. So, you know, it, it's it's nice to see that he's still relevant uh, almost 40 years later on SNL. Yeah, he'll always be Uncle Ned to me. So, <laughs> you know. Sammy, does he meet your criteria? Well, Bill, if I got our numbers right, I think we have him at the exact same spot. I have Tom Hanks at number five uh, on my list. Is it because he started the Five Timers Club? That's just a happy coincidence. Yeah, no, this is uh, Tom Tom Hanks. It's it's awesome and underrated almost. Maybe not underrated, but it's awesome that like arguably the best actor ever, or the, the you know the best movie star of all time, like the biggest actor ever, is like also like a friend of SNL and like a longtime host and has such like a like a strong relationship with the show. I just think that's just great. Um, and the fact that, like you said, Bill, he's able to weave into different eras 
And it, it's a testament to his acting ability. And, um, you know, he got a star in comedy, so it makes perfect sense that he, you know, makes for a great SNL host. Like I alluded to before, we got to talk about the Five Timers Club and how that that's like one of those things that even non SNL fans know about, I think, is, is that it's like it's, it means something to host the show for X amount of times. And there's like a secret club you get into. And the fact that it all kind of started with Tom Hanks is like just like i don't know it's like it's a notable thing when i'm looking at like who deserves to be in the hall of fame there's like kind of certain accomplishments or kind of asterisks that i look for that makes someone like you know a hall of fame host or cast member or whatever and i think that for tom hanks you know is something that put him so high on my ballot whoops Great, great. I got to figure out if I'm going to use mute or I'm not going to use mute or, (laughs) John, where do you weigh in on me using mute or not? (laughs) I think you should use mute and just let us keep going without you. But, um, (laughs) but uh, no, honestly, uh, for me, Tom Hanks, this is a a no doubt, uh, definitely gets in uh, on my ballots and very high up on my ballot as well in the top five. Uh, For me, uh, you know, might be America's dad. I think he's SNL's daddy. Like, you know, he just comes in every single time he's there. It, he's amazing when he's on the show. Like, I don't think he's had like a bad episode when he's hosted. You know, hope nobody kill me on that, but I, I really don't think so. I think he's just had like these incredible moments uh, when he's been there. And uh, I love what Bill said, which is just like transcending eras as a host. You know, a lot of the hosts that are really amazing hosts from the history of the show really dominated an era as far as hosting is concerned but in tom hanks case like you could you know he's probably best known for with that second golden era cast like really coming in in season 10 11 12 13 you know 11 12 13 14 but it's really uh fascinating to get to see him like come back in 2006 like you know he's hosting in 2020 like during the covid years he's like basically hosting the paul rudd five timers episode like he's had so many moments throughout the history of the show that i just absolutely uh love tom hanks as a host and it it, it makes sense like i think if you're going to put any host in there to me he's in the upper echelon the pantheon of great hosts from the history of the show yeah absolutely he's he's rushmorian for sure well, let's go to Sammy next and get your next pick. Yeah. So we were just talking about, um, you know, the writers and how, you know, we need them to get some love uh, in the Hall of Fame, which I, I totally agree. And I'm going to talk about um, Seth Meyers, who, you know, I, I was able to go in depth on this show um, with, with Thomas talking about his time on SNL as a head writer. I mean, Obviously, he started as a cast member, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about him as a head writer. And if you're looking at golden eras of the show, his time as a head writer and just the kind of environment that has been talked about a lot as far as, you know, the competitive nature historically that SNL was, it seemed like specifically when he took over and was head writer, he just made SNL a very collaborative, great place to work and make comedy together. And I think that is something that is, is shown like the proof is in the pudding with his time and, and the sketches that were out and, you know, came about during that time. Not to mention when you talk about him as a head writer, you got to talk about him as a weekend update anchor. And I think um, for me, it's probably my favorite weekend update anchor of all time. And something that, you know, I didn't really think about so recently as to why is because 
the way that he kind of interacted with characters on Weekend Update with just always wanting the the person on the other end of the table, you know, wh- whatever wacky character it was, whether it was, you know, drunk uncle or, or whoever, you know, he, he wanted them to do well. And, and it wasn't like an antagonist antagonistic relationship with the characters. He he wanted them to succeed. And I think that made for just great comedy and, and, and a fun rapport. So yeah, that that is why I am voting for Seth Meyers here in the writing category. Great pick. And follows in line with Tina Fey, who was the first writer elected to the Hall of Fame last year. Cast member, a weekend update, anchor, and head writer, similar trajectory. But uh, yeah, I think that's a great pick. Does he appear on your list, John? Absolutely. Yeah, this is a this is also a no doubt for me. Seth is, uh, I think, ninth on my list, as far as putting him in the writing category. I mean, if he was just there as a cast member, definitely not. But we're not, you know, he he had a very fun first few years. And I think self admittedly was not the greatest pick as a cast member, just in sketches on the show. But like, as the leader behind the scenes that he would eventually become as the anchor that he would be to all of his amazing castmates for years and years on the show. Uh, he worked great with people. He also worked great alone. He wrote some amazing sketches. To me, he is such an integral part of like of the show. And I think if, if Lorne Michaels is the general manager of you know what's happening here, uh, I think Seth Meyers was the manager of the team for a very long time and like that role is extremely crucial one that ultimately he'll he'll sort of like hand off the baton to Colin Jost to but I think you know for me uh in my like greatest era uh you know as far as uh when I was growing up you know he is so influential in creating that environment in the first place and I have to award him for his efforts fascinating I like that sports analogy a lot uh you know he's more tactile he's he's in the you know, he's in the trenches with the with the people. Bill, what did you uh, think of Sammy's pick? Uh, he is not on my list. Uh, there, there were a couple of difficult cuts. I think, especially with the writing category, there are too many people who need to go in ahead of him. I appreciate what Seth did, especially for how long he did it. Uh, he has some of my favorite sketches of the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, it comes to mind the uh, Louis C.K. Abe, Abe Lincoln parody that they that he wrote. Uh, of course, uh, the Peyton Manning PSA uh, in that classic episode. Uh, and of course, all the Sarah Palin stuff that he did for Tina. But now it's just there's too many writers who did not get in last year who I would like to see get in who were there long before Seth was there. Um, so he had to be a, a last-minute cut for me. All right. Wow. Shocking. But based on our own little count here, he, he would get into the hall because two out of three have chosen him. So you get off lightly there. Where are we at? We are with John. John, with your next pick. Yeah. Can I just say that was uh, the worst thing I've ever heard Bill say on any podcast since we, we've, <laughs> we've been working with him. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I'm not dissing Same. Seth at all. I mean, but you've you've got to put in the people who he was able to build a career off of before you could put him in, in my opinion. No, that is insane. <laughs> because Why, then you're just Why gonna, is that insane? Because then you're just going to put in all the people who were good on the show in the early years of the show. And I know no, like... No, no, not at all. I mean, okay. Tina went in last year. She was on my ballot. That has... It's not just that. But 
she was the only writer to get in last year, right, Jamie? Yeah. So, yeah. like, all of these other people who are still on the ballot who did not But I'm not, not telling you not, not to put them in on the ballot. I'm just saying that you, like, uh, if you're going to evaluate them against each other, there's no way that you can argue to me that Seth isn't a more influential writer than some of them. Oh, yes, I could. Okay. All right. We'll see. You about that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Cause, see. Because I think you. Okay. So we're not. We're not there yet. But we'll talk. Because I actually have three other writers on my list that we'll talk about. Because I do think it's important to include them. But I think like I think Seth is is up, if not above, right there with them. Oh, who has he been influential to? Just so I understand what you're. Saying. I don't think that you can say that. The third golden era that we talk about all the time is absolutely loving. The last like great era in the history of SNL happens without Seth Meyers being the head writer. Interesting. What about Mulaney? What about Paula Pell? I mean, Mulaney comes in partway through is is pretty good. I think Paula Pell started way before Seth, so Paula Pell is is. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that these other right. Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route, then we could say like, okay, when we get to these writers from the first five years of the show, let's talk about all the other writers that were there at the same time that are not on the ballot. Sure. Like, we're not uh, like if you're saying that Seth had so many other great writers during seasons uh, 32 through 38, let's say, then like I guess, but you know, he is clearly the leader of that pack. Anyways, yeah, where, where were we? <laughs> Sorry. You're going to name your, your next The most key to John and I have ever gotten. I, I'm a little, you know what, I, I was about to go. Most, yeah. I was about to go make some popcorn and just watch you guys duke it out, even though he was on my ballot. I just, you know, I wanted to watch. Next point, counterpoint. Seth I Meyer. always have to host the show. Like, I never get to just, just go at it. Um, all right. Um, I, I'm going to do it. You know, yeah, like it has to be done. So somebody, somebody has to do it here. I'll have the balls to do it. Uh, I'm going to put Alec Baldwin in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't think he can't. I mean, l- let's be real. I mean, nobody, nobody's cool with him, uh, if, to my understanding, shooting what was supposed to be a prop gun and killing somebody on the set of his movie. Like, no, no doubt there is a very reasonable chance Alec Baldwin will never p- appear on Saturday Night Live again. You know, it, it could happen. We don't know. I mean, I'd be surprised if we see him, you know, before the 50th. I think he probably should be invited to the 50th. I don't know. That's that's up to the listeners to, to decide. But that's a debate for another time, I guess. But regardless, let's look at his time on the show, which is uh, an absolute domination of the show. Hosted the most times in the history of the show, most sketches as a host, comes back a kajillion times. Yes, you might hate the fact that he played Trump in an era where he ends up, you know, pissing off the then president. But when he came on as Trump versus Kate as Hillary, that was like a modern version of SNL taking over the news at just how big those debates were during season 42. And for me, like that is just the beginning of going through the list of amazing moments that he's had. He's worked with almost everybody that's ever been on the show. He, no doubt, I mean, like it's it's really fun like this exercise of going back and watching old alec baldwin episodes who completely physically probably changes how he looks throughout the entire time he's also i mean he's just had so many fun moments once hosted with one of his ex-wives i believe and you know just like there's anything that you can do as far as like bucket list is concerned on the show alec baldwin has hit those notes so for me it's like if you said to me, hey, like, here is the people who've made the SNL Hall of Fame and there are hosts in there and Alec isn't in there, I would say, like, is the only reason you're not putting him in there because you don't like him as a person? And if that's the case, that's your prerogative. 
But if we're just being evaluating time on the show, I think I have a really hard time hearing an argument that he doesn't deserve to get in. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's really tough to forge an argument to keep him out based on just his work. And if you want to come at it from the Trump angle, Thomas and I were having a discussion, and I believe he says it on the episode, that he only, he only played Trump while hosting one time. So the, the, the other 40-odd appearances, or however many appearances it was that he played Trump, were all as a guest. So if you can sort of separate that out in your head as well, if that's tarnishing your experience with Alec Baldwin, you know, there's an argument to be made there as well. Bill, what do you have to say? Yeah, I, I completely agree with all of John's points, although I would say I think the Trump stuff is more controversial only because it was an accidental shooting. Um, and while he is maybe radioactive at this point, I don't think that's the reason that most people would leave him off. I think I think the Trump stuff would be the bigger problem for people. I could. I, be wrong. I hope so. I could be wrong. But if again, as Jamie says, like that, that's that's not enough of a reason, and and it's another scenario with it, we talked about with Kristen. It's not his fault. He thought he was coming in to do this three or four times, and then Trump was going to lose, and then he was going to go on his merry way. He kind of got stuck in this role and was asked back every week, and of course he came back and did it. Could he have walked away earlier? Yes, but you know who knows how influential Lauren was with him and pressuring him that we really need you to do this. So I'm not a fan of the Trump stuff. Uh, I think he did a pretty good impression. I won't rewatch most of that at this point. Um, and I rewatch SNL constantly, but that's not a reason to leave him off. 17 times hosting, 52 cameos, covers from season 15 to uh, almost present day. Good impressions besides Trump. He did a great Tony Bennett. He did De Niro. Obviously, Bill Brasky, Paul Schwetty. Peach wedding, excuse me. Um, and, and yeah, he, he covers all these different eras. He fit in with every cast. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's a slam dunk for me. Uh, he's number 10 on my list. Okay. Sammy, you've got the distinction here of maybe <laughs> settling something here. Is it the incident in, uh, on the film set with the gun or is it the, is it the, uh, Trump uh, exposure that would taint things one way or another for you? Well, I really think we should just take the rest of the show and really dissect that that incident and really get get to the get to the root of all of that right now. No, um, or the shoot uh, of all that. Is, yeah, exactly. Uh, he's he is on my list. He's actually right where we're at right now. He's like number seven, and it's because it goes back to accomplishments on the show. And how do you not have the person who has hosted the most times, you know, not be in your Hall of Fame? Obviously, that's like. A record that can change, you know, like let's say Steve Martin hosts again or one or two more times and takes the record back. I still think Alec Baldwin has a, a place in the Hall of Fame. And as far as like the Trump stuff is concerned, you know, maybe this is like an anecdotal thing for me, but I, I find that SNL fans have a lot more negativity towards that than like the general public. I think the general public and the reason why they kept bringing it back is because they were eating that up. And they were, I mean, just talking about my parents, like my parents, like would always talk to me after SNL about Alec Baldwin's Trump. 
And is it because they were just doing Trump and that was like in the news and, you know, oh, wow, Trump did this crazy thing this week and, and Alec Baldwin happened to be the person to do it. You know, they're watching SNL differently than I am. But I, I do think there is a bit of a distinction there between us hardcore fans, not to be like gatekeeping on the opinion of Alec Baldwin's Trump, but it, it just is something I've seen. And um, yeah, I mean, regardless of any controversies or whatever, if we're looking objectively, as far as like a Hall of Fame is concerned, the, the numbers don't lie. And, um, you know, I think he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame if, if we want this Hall of Fame to be accurate to the, the show's history and, and, and various accomplishments. You know, maybe it'll turn out that he gets punished by not getting in on the first ballot, you know, and that's sort of the, the voters, you know, tisk tisk to, to him. I, I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, and it'll be equally interesting to see the score with which he either gets in or doesn't get in. Sammy, we'll stick with you. And uh, I think you said he was your number seven. So what's, what were you at number eight? Well, eight was actually where Jan Hooks was oh, right. for me. Oh, right. Um, so I remember Jan number, Hooks. Number, num- yeah, yeah, yeah. So number nine here, we're, we're st- sticking with hosts. This is kind of where these all kind of came about for me. I'm going with uh, John Goodman. Again, someone who I think if you're just looking at pure numbers should be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, in my lifetime of like watching the show, like when I started watching in 2007, he's only hosted once. He hosted once in, in 2013. And the majority of his hosting was in like the, the 90s and, and, and was hosting year after year. And, you know, maybe maybe that is a reason why he didn't get in last year. Um, you know, I don't have the number in front of me as far as like how, what percentage of the vote he got, but um, 31.6. Okay. Yeah. So uh, honestly with those numbers, he, he, he probably isn't going to get in this year, um, especially with this, with this new crop of, of talent being brought in. But I, I do still think it's important as far as eligible hosts of who has made an impact on the show. I mean, he was there for um, SNL 40 and uh, he, you know, he's talking about how many times he hosted and he, he said 13 times, uh, a Goodman's dozen, you know, like he's definitely a person who, if you're looking at hosts on the show, um, I think um, deserves to get in. But yeah, again, when you're looking at the the other candidates, I can see um, why that could be a, a tough road for him as we increase the number of eligible people, um, you know, for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I actually made the argument last year to put him in. He was on my ballot. Uh, he was a victim of the numbers this time. Um, he just barely missed my ballot. I think he's very worthy. Uh, but yeah, with, with the hosts that were put on newly this year with Tom and, and Baldwin, I didn't really have a choice but to, to drop him down a little bit. I think he's a little bit below what they uh, did on the show, uh, especially to, he gets kind of lost in those numbers of being on at the same time that Baldwin was on all the time, Tom Hanks, Danny DeVito was on all the time at that point. Uh, Steve Martin was still on quite a bit. So he fell back a little bit for me. I think he gets in, uh, but he doesn't get in this year for me. It'd be interesting to know the inside baseball of, you know, like you said, his contemporaries in the 90s were doing not the same number of shows that he was doing. He was doing it every single year, you know, and Hanks and, and Baldwin were, you know, doing three or four episodes in the decade, but they carried on and, and he didn't like, he just, 
it, it's almost like he was a a great pitcher in a de- in the dead ball era or something, and his numbers are being distorted as a as a as a reason. But I think he belongs in. I think he ultimately gets in. But yeah, with with numbers in the mid mid thirties, it's going to be tough to see that happening this year. Even if even if he grows uh, considerably, John, how about you? He's absolutely on my list. I mean, not putting uh, him in the Hall of Fame to me is is kind of stupid. <laughs> I mean, he he hosted he hosted eleven years in a row. Like, what what else do you want? <laughs> like, that's crazy. Like, it's never been done. I guess Mulaney's on this like this modern streak. It's uh, you know like uh, you know it's like watching a hitting streak in baseball. Like, when will it stop? Uh, but you know, to me, he was a very influential. And and I always looked at it this way. Like, I think there's like a big five when it comes to hosts in the history of the show. Um, you obviously have Alec and Steve, Tom Hanks, Buck Henry, and John Goodman. Like, I think they're like in a class of their own as far as like historical accomplishments on the show. You may prefer other hosts or other hosts have gone on uh, specific runs that you uh, may enjoy. But I think John Goodman is just as much part of that class. And I think I said the same thing, you know, on this panel last year. But like, if we were doing this in 2005, let's say, you know, like, you know, 15, 17 years ago, uh, you know, he would be like in the top five of people's lists. It's just like totally washed away due to time. So I, I disagree with not putting him on your ballot. Yeah, I, I agree with the, with the length of time. It's too bad we hadn't thought of this at the dawn of podcasts. Damn it, Jamie. Uh, or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So it'll, he'll be another one. It'll be interesting to look at his numbers this year. And we will move on to John. Well, I will go with a writer here. And I will go with Michael O'Donohue, who did not get into the Hall of Fame last year. And I think this was a big mistake. I think if we're talking about great people, uh, it's it's a controversial one. Uh, O'Donohue is is known as being kind of an ass, and there's a lot of stories about his uh, treatment of people at the show that aren't fantastic. But when you're talking about the original head writer of the show, one that really laid out the tone of a lot of the original days of the show, I think he is a very important part of SNL's history. I believe I also said last year, like, I think if you have like a writer's wing at the show, it's hard not to call it like the Michael O'Donohue writer's wing of the SNL Hall of Fame. I mean, I just think like he is such an important figure, one that was fired and then brought back and then fired and then brought back and then quit and then fired and then brought back. Like he's just so much a part of those early seasons. And while everyone was still trying to figure out what SNL was, O'Donohue had a vision. And you may not have agreed with it, but when you watch those early days of the show, you see O'Donohue's work extremely clearly. And to me, his influence on the creation of the show alone is worthy enough to put him in the SNL Hall of Fame. And he's actually number five on my list. Wow, very high up. Yeah. So he scored last year just a just at the quarter century mark, uh, 25.8%. So crazily low and again i have to just assume that's just people not familiar with a his work uh who he is and the importance of who he is uh so listen to that episode from last year if you get the chance before casting your ballot uh but before we do that we'll hear from bill and sammy on your pick 
Yeah, he's number six for me. Uh, I I made the argument last year, like the his dark comedy is something that SNL would probably never do in this vein again. And while it's hard to find each sketch written by each writer because of the, you know, the time and and it wasn't done as it is today. Just go back and watch some of the first five years and any of the sketches he's in, he wrote. Mr. Mike's least love bedtime tales are hilarious. Him coming on the stage and pretending he's uh, Tony Orlando and Dawn and what would happen if we stuck hot pokers in their eyes and he falls on the stage and starts screaming. He wrote a lot of the very funny weekend update jokes, uh, including the the famous Professor Backwards one, who uh, when Professor Backwards died, his last words were pleh, pleh. Uh, <laughs> uh, he wrote the ABBA on the Titanic, uh, one of the f- most uh, famous musical guest moments in the history of the show. And then, of course, he came back for Ebersol, season seven, scared Catherine O'Hara away. Uh, and <laughs> was fired after making a uh, a Silverman as Hitler sketch. So, yeah, I mean, he had such... Yes, he is controversial, but he was brilliant. And the material is there for you to go back and look. If you're going to vote for this Hall of Fame, go back and do the work and look and see what this brilliant man was able to do. And Bill, how much would he love Sarah Sherman? Now, oh, could you imagine the collaboration those two would do together? It just boggles the mind. Yeah, so guys, I, I hate to disappoint, but he he is not on my list, and I don't have a good reason for it. Honestly, uh, I think as we were talking about earlier in the episode with all of these new kind of candidates for the ballot this year, you know, there were a lot of like sexy names as far as like hosts go, and 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 famous writer or and musical guests and, and and stuff like that. And and I do have that wiggle room at the end of my my ballot here to potentially swap him in and. Like I said, I, I don't have an argument. He, he is definitely, like you said, an architect of those first five years of the show. But yeah, looking at, you know, obviously the, the, the votes he got last year, I, I will be curious to see if that's something we can overcome. I'm, I'm going to say no. And I, I'm part of the problem, uh, clearly, um, with that. But, um, after hearing you guys talk about him, he, he's definitely somebody as I'm, finalizing those last couple spots um he he might um slide in there so take one mic off and put another mic on (laughs) (laughs) there there you go yeah i mean that 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 would be the spot so that will you guys will have to i'll have that internal debate in my head as we continue the episode all right bill who is your next pick you know, I got a lot of crap last year, uh, specifically from Andrew Dick, uh, for leaving this person off of my ballot. Uh, I said that they kind of ruined their legacy by staying way too long and making some of the driest, non-funny stuff uh, that SNL has seen in the 2000s. Uh, but I've lightened up quite a bit. I heard him on Fly on the Wall with Dana and uh, Spade, and I've softened a bit. So I'm, I'm going to nominate James Downey. You can't argue with his breadth of work, uh, 30 seasons on the show, all the way back to season seven, or season two, excuse me. He was in 40 sketches, including the, the very famous First Citywide and the Grayson Moorhead. Of course, he was Andy's dad in, in Lonely Island, and he had so much influence on the politics of the show, whether or not you agree with his viewpoint, 
He was able to bring Aykroyd back uh, in 88 when they did a Democratic primary. Uh, Aykroyd came back as Bob Dole and kids cameos were very rare back then. So this was huge news that one of the original cast members was coming back to do a cameo. Uh, so he and of course, he had a part in uh, Chippendales and Strategery with Al Gore and and Bush. So I can't leave him off again. I gave him the one year punishment for overstaying his welcome, but he's one of the most important writers in the history of the show, bar none. So James Downey's going in for me. This makes a little bit more sense to me now. When I look at his score, last year it was 30.3, so five points higher than Michael O'Donoghue. But the fact that you didn't cast a vote for him sort of supports that score a little bit more to me because as somebody who follows the show the way you do, I would have just just thought for sure you would vote for James Downey, you know? It's all built yeah, I mean, that, that dryness <laughs> of the mid-aughts of the politics and just it was i mean go back and watch some of those cold opens from 2005 2006 they're not good they're just not good and it's not because it's topical they just weren't funny they went on for 13 14 minutes and they didn't have a lot of jokes and so that kind of tarnished his legacy a little bit but then you just can't argue with what else he was able to do from 1977 through the early 2000s so yeah where do you have Downey on your list, John, or is he on your list? Oh, he's absolutely on my list. Uh, he is 10 on my list. I have him there, but he is probably the most influential political writer in the history of the show. You know, obviously didn't not everything clicked for Bill and that's fine. And uh, politics is probably the most subjective part of watching the show. You either absolutely like love getting some SNL political wit or you hate it. And, you know, he's going to strike, you're going to strike out more than you succeed. But, you know, when you really, really hit with something, it's great. And I think like, you know, a great example of that is like all the stuff that he did with Dana Carvey's H.W. Bush. I think he was really brilliant with a lot of those. Uh, And that is uh, like a lot. Dana obviously credits Downey for a lot of that stuff. To me, he is, yeah, he's like, a, he's a really, really major part of the show because you, when you go back and you think about those early days, Chevy does a lot of Ford earlier on and he does Ford as a version of Chevy Chase and he's falling down and, and it's just where we're going to put him in the Oval Office and we're going to have him keep falling and being clumsy and there's nothing smart necessarily about it and I, I won't argue its influence because I think it's a very important impression in the history of the show but it's really when Downey comes on and starts writing for Chevy as Ford in the early part of season two and then Chevy obviously leaves and then Aykroyd's Carter and then starts to write uh, you know Aykroyd's Nixon and then you know starts to involve more political figures and then eventually you know keeps going later on in other generations, uh, to me, that is really uh, an aspect of the show that isn't celebrated enough. And and I really think that he is, especially due to longevity, so, so important to tell the story of SNL. So for me, it's it's an absolute, he deserves to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, he is on my list. Um, Jim Downey was number 11 for me. Um, yeah, I mean, for all the reasons you guys said, people come to SNL and know SNL for its political commentary. And every time there's a new election, when election season's coming up, the ratings go up for SNL because people are anxious to see like how they're going to skewer, you know, the new lineup of, you know, Democratic and Republican candidates. And, um, I mean, John put it very well. Like there, there's a, a notable shift in how politics recovered on the show, um, when Jim Downey, uh, joins the writing staff. And, um, you know, with, without that, who knows, like, as far as 
you know, where SNL would be as far as like a place where people go to when it comes to, you know, political humor. So I think it's uh, definitely worthy of a vote. Sammy, we're going to stick with you then and get your next, your next reveal. Yeah, this one I think will be interesting because I, I've heard um, or I recently listened to your guys' um, discussion last year on, um, you know, the class of 2022 Hall of Fame. And, and this person was kind of debated between you guys. So I have Norm MacDonald next on my list. He was so close to getting into the Hall of Fame last year. I think he got the most amount of votes without um, making it. I think he got like 60% or 61% or something like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I think you can argue that he what he was able to do on Weekend Update was pretty groundbreaking. I mean, he didn't pull any punches. And during that time, because of that, he, he was eventually fired for making the OJ jokes. And I think a ton of Weekend, up, a weekend Update anchors after him you know, always point to Norm and look to Norm as an, an influence and, you know, how um, he was like a kind of a, a measure of quality or something they were kind of striving to do on the update desk. And I think for those those reasons, you know, he should have gotten in last year. And, um, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see because of how the, the timing was with everything. Uh, obviously, you know, he unfortunately passed away in, in 2021 and, you know, maybe that affected the vote, you know, in, in the positive for him. As, and, you know, I mean, he got more votes in the Lonely Island, which I found to be really interesting, you know, when it comes to the, the people who listen to shows like this and can, sometimes can skew, you know, maybe a little younger. And, you know, the, the fact that Norm MacDonald was able to get that many votes was impressive to me. So we'll, we'll see if he gets in this year. But um, my vote is for Norm. Yeah, you're you're right on the money. 61.9% is what he got last year. And uh, it's hard for me to imagine him getting much more than that this year, because I, I think you're right. I think he would have garnered a few votes just based on the news cycle, you know, and how terrible that sounds, because I'm a giant Norm fan. I'm a giant Norm fan, but I'm, I'm not sure that he, he's, I think he's been pushed off my ballot this year. Hmm. So john or bill if either of you want to uh, chime in as to where norm mcdonald lands on your or doesn't land on your ballot that'd be great he is not on my ballot he i love norm and i actually just recently in our you know best uh, episode draft picked him as my weekend update anchor and i loved getting to see him on update i wish he was on update for longer but I just can't argue that he deserves to get into the Hall of Fame this early on. I think he's a very influential uh, point in SNL's history. I think you, I think he's, you know, one like one of the top few greatest update anchors ever. But I just don't see it as far as like the other names on this list who clearly had more contribution to their time at the show. For me, like it. it Alone, it's really hard to argue that a, an update anchor deserves to get in over like amazing sketch performers who put in like their times and dominate their eras or amazing hosts who come in. And like to me, it's it's a little apples and oranges. Uh, and the reason I do have Seth in just to not talk out of both sides of my mouth is because obviously Seth uh, has a lot more to do with his influence on his particular era and his writing in and writing sketch, writing uh, cast members into sketches and elevating them. So for me, like Norm is uh He's so 
like spotlight on him solo in his time on the show that you you can only like it's so clear and easy to evaluate and i think that you know one day he might get in but like he has to, to me he's like that person that gets in on like the eighth or ninth ballot and it's just like held steady for a long time it's like okay norm's about to fall off the ballot so let's like push him up there because he had a really important role in his time on the show bill yeah uh, same as john uh he just fell off my ballot and i i voted for him last year uh there was just too many new cast members uh on the on the ballot to justify putting on someone who had only been on the show for four years. Mostly did Weekend Update. Obviously, his Bob Dole was really good as well as David Letterman. Uh, so he did do other stuff. He wasn't a Dennis Miller or, or a Seth on their time at the desk. But I don't want to understate his importance. He, he was so important to the way Weekend Update went. Um, it was it, it had kind of fallen off after Dennis Miller. Uh, Kevin Nealon was just out there telling dad jokes and, and wasn't very good at that part of his job. And Norm kind of flipped that on its head and didn't care if he got the laugh, didn't care if the audience was with him. He was going to tell his jokes and he was going to do his thing. Uh, so it's really hard to leave him off. He's probably number 16 for me, but he's not getting in this year for me. Yeah, it might end up being somewhere around there for me as well. John, what is your next reveal? All right, so I have four people left on my list that I'm going to vote into the Hall of Fame. And the one that I would say I think it needs to get in the most would be the duo of Franken and Davis. Also, extremely influential writers. And I think just in terms of longevity, super important. So I'll take you all the way back to, you know, they, they come on the show and they're almost like assistant producers in terms of them, uh, you know, the things that they did to help Lauren produce the show. And they are given their own segment on the show, which happens every now and then where Franken and Davis come on together and which is really fun. And then they're sort of the first featured players actually in the history of the show are Al Franken and Tom Davis. And they wrote so many sketches from the early years on the show. They end up leaving around the time that Lauren does. And we get a return of Al Franken for many, many years on the show, who ends up being a very important uh, assistant producer, writer, and featured player. And he comes in many times. But like, obviously, you know, other tentpole moments for Al Franken specifically, you think about the Al Franken decades, the Al Franken eras when he's talking. And I mean, he's a big reason why, <laughs> why. Fred Silverman had problems with the show. You think of uh, Limo for a Lamo. I mean, these are really famous moments from the history of the show. And then I also think, you know, for Tom Davis, not to sell him short, I mean, I think about uh, there was a very famous monologue where it's discovered that Tom Davis has been living in a bunker in the SNL studios uh, for many years. So, like, these two are like the OG writers and influential members of the crew. So much so that I feel like SNL is a completely different world if they were never on it, and I have to put them on my ballot. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I think so influential. And just to answer a criticism that I've received, you know, why there are people that are lumped in together, we've talked about two of them so far this evening, and they're the only two that are actually lumped in together, other than musical guests. But um, The Lonely Island, and then now Franken and Davis. And the reason they were nominated together was because they're known for their work and their output that they put in together. Franken and Davis were actually hired 
as Franken and Davis. Their their actual writing credit is Franken and Davis, you know, in uh, or Al Franken and Tom Davis, you know, on the credits they get the and. So that's the reason that was that was chosen. And uh, well, you would do the same with Please Don't Destroy if it was now. I think so. I think the same thing would. The same thing would hold true. I'm just trying to see where they are in terms of votes last year. And why can't I see them? A 29.7. Yeah, that 30% chunk is just, it's just a hill that these writers are having a difficult time climbing. So we'll have to continue to stump for them, fellas. Yeah, and not only, well, they're a duo, but for the first season, they got one salary to split among themselves. So that that's... Uh, <laughs> Something that's bananas that would never happen today. But yeah, I mean, they, they are a very, very important part of the show and the history of the show. Not only, as John said, that they have their own playground to do their sketches, uh, which are still very funny. Some of them are, I guess, problematic by today's standards, but uh, still very funny. And uh, when John was talking about Downey a little bit earlier, they had a hand in a lot of the political writing then too. Uh, they were part of Nixon's final days and they were part of the famous Ask President Carter sketch. Uh, they wrote all of these with Downey. So they were collaborating quite a bit and they were part of uh, Pepsi Syndrome, which is still the longest sketch in the history of the show. And, and then they did their own thing too. Uh, you know, Davis had a lot of influence on the Coneheads and Nick the Lounge Singer, Continental. So yeah, I mean, they weren't just there the first five years. Davis floated in and out until the early 2000s, and and Franken was there until the mid-90s. So uh, they covered multiple eras, um, and they had a lot of influence. And I, and since they're being nominated as writers, I won't hold Stuart Smalley against him. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Davis, isn't he responsible, not responsible wholly, but... Uh- he had a big hand in that Steve Martin hosted episode with the Blues Brothers as the musical act. I, I believe there's like three three different sketches that Tom Davis, including the King Tut sketch, had his had his fingers in. And it's just, you know, if you have a, a night like that, you could just hang up your hat, put it on the thing, and just you're done. You know? That's a great night. Yeah, they only wrote the majority of what is mostly considered the greatest episode in the history of the show. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sammy, a lot of pressure here. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I think I'm just part of the problem uh, when it comes to the voting body. Uh, they're they're not they're not on my list. Um, they were they were right they were right there at the end um, where I was trying to decide what to do. But I, I think the problem I, I ran into with my, my voting was that I, I saved the slot for musical guest, and then I, I might have over-indexed when it came to hosting. I, I actually mathematically tried to figure out, like, percentage-wise, like, what percentage of my votes should go to cast, what percentage should go to host. And um, there's definitely – maybe my, my, my logic was uh, wrong or my, my thinking was wrong, and I should have given more flowers to, to the writers here. Um, but yeah, I mean, Franken and Davis are definitely super influential, as you guys said, to the beginning of the show. But, um, you know, just uh, with 15 slots, just didn't make it. Yeah, that's I mean, that's how that's how it breaks down. Everybody, everybody's got different votes. So we won't uh, bully you cool like John you guys are sharing me. them. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think the listeners, Sammy, are saying you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And gosh, darn it, people <laughs> don't like you. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> 
Exactly. <laughs> Bill, do you want to um, reveal your next pick? Yeah, I'm. I'm going with yet another writer. Uh, I'm, I'm. We're going to get these writers in if it kills us. This is considered one of the best writers of this era, and an era when there was the Conans and the Greg Daniels and the Bob Odenkirks. To a T, to a man and a woman, they all say that he was the funniest writer on the show. Of course, I'm talking about Jack Handy, not only known for his deep thoughts, uh, which permeated the pre-tapes in the 90s, and uh, but he had such an influence on so many of the funniest sketches that you love from the 80s and the 90s. He was there for, I believe, 13, 14 seasons, but... If you've liked Happy Fun Ball, Toots's Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer, Giant Businessman, which is one of uh, the best Tom Hanks hosted episodes and in, in, involves Phil Hartman, Old Glory Insurance, the Clarence Thomas he- hearings. He was a part of all of this and million, uh, thousands more that we can't even get into. But um, he is just such an important part of that second golden era of the show and going into the late nineties and the Will Ferrell era. So yeah, that, that's an easy one for me to put in. Uh, he's number 13 on my list. Yeah. When your peers speak that highly of you, it's a no brainer. Uh, Sammy, was it a no brainer for you? Uh, I, I, I'm feeling like I have no brain here at the end of uh, this, uh, this uh, episode here. Yeah. Not, not on my list uh, again. Um, you know, that's just not, not on me for, prioritizing the, the writers but um i mean i feel like yeah when i first started watching the show like deep thoughts when i was watching those reruns on, on comedy central definitely had his own like unique voice and his unique spot on the show to do that as well as a bunch of other you know just contributions as a writer for sketches um so yeah i mean it, it, it makes sense but just just didn't make the cut did it make the cut for you john he did not actually. He just just got cut off the list. Um, he is a very influential writer. I remember discussing with you, Jamie, that he should get on. Uh, he he should be talked about this year as potentially getting on people's ballots, and there should be somebody who should argue why he should get into the Hall of Fame. And I think he will eventually, as long as the writers are properly attributed for their work on the show. But I think this is a situation where Bill, we were talking a little bit before and arguing about Seth Meyers' influence. I think, uh, for me, the five writers that I put into the Hall of Fame this particular uh, season, or this time we're doing this, uh, Franken Davis, Jim Downey, Seth Meyers, Michael Donahue, and Lonely Island, to me, had more influence. Uh, I think Jack Handy probably had a higher batting average, but I think that those five like are probably in a category of their own and Handy's in that like next level of really great writers that probably deserves to get in. So for me, uh, he just, just misses the cut. Shocking news here, but I like the argument. I like the way you put it together. Sammy, we're back to you with your next pick. Yeah. Yeah. So for my next pick, um, you know, like I said, I, I over-indexed it on hosts and, you know, maybe that was a mistake, but I, I'm sticking with it. Um, and I've got Candace Bergen on my ballot, the first female host, um, you know, ever on the show and as well as the first woman to ever join the Five Timers Club. Obviously, you know, uh, the, the majority of her hosting appearances were with the original cast, but I don't know. I just always really enjoyed her chemistry with the original cast, especially with Gilda Radner. A sketch that comes to mind is uh, the right to be extremely stupid or extreme stupidity, 
where um, you know she kind of flubs the line and and it has a there's a great improvised moment between her and Gilda and you know she was just like totally game and you know as far as just looking at my ballot I mean I just gotta be honest it, it, it's very male dominated um, so I, I really did want to find a spot here for Candace Bergen uh, on the list on the list on my ballot uh, and not to mention you know there are definitely hosts from the beginning of the show who you know are still around with us but don't necessarily appear for whatever reason and um, even though she hasn't hosted in a while um, she's still someone that is called in from time to time as, as recently as like a recent five-timer sketch with John Mulaney and so for that reason you know you can really see her spanning and you know throughout the the history of the show so that's why I, I saved the spot here for for Candy Bergen. I think uh, I think it's important to note that Lauren himself has said that the, the the first show that felt like the show that the show is is the show that she hosts. I believe it's the fourth episode. So the importance of her it can't be understated. Both of you nodded your heads. No, I have the luxury of seeing you. But not everybody gets to see you. Both of you nodded your heads when Sammy said. Um, or made made his reveal. So I assume that means both of you have her on your ballot? Absolutely. Yeah, she's on my ballot. I think she's um, so influential. I mean, just uh, it was great to finally get a female host <laughs> four episodes in. And uh, yeah, she comes back again. I mean, not only that she's the first female host, but she's the first Christmas host, comes back the second season, hosts at Christmas time. Again, begins this tradition that most people know of, uh, skating on the ice rink at the end of the holiday episode, which happens many times throughout the eras. So for me, uh, she is she's really a great host who's only hosted five times. But as Sammy mentioned, has come back a few times. She was there for the Timberlake Five Timers Club, the Jonah Hill one, and then again for Mulaney and widely celebrated as far as the original female host and one that I hope hosts again in season 50. That would be really cool to see. She's an easy in for me. uh, Hosted two of the first eight episodes as well. Um, and, and, And there was something about the Christmas episodes with her that were so special we pine for these people that we know hosting the Christmas episode, even to this day, it kind of started with her that you wanted this familiar friend of the show, so to speak. And she was in so many great sketches, uh, the jaws uh, two and the bee capades and the right to extreme stupidity, as Sammy mentioned, consumer probe. So I don't think it could be overstated how important she was to the beginning of the show, her and Lily both, and kind of giving a female voice to to the show when it it desperately needed it. Also, the first returning host in the yes. history of the show. Like back then, if we were doing podcasts, we'd be like, "Whoa, we didn't even know this could happen!" Like they could bring yeah, people back. She hosted back. twice before <laughs> Buck Henry ever hosted. So exactly, John. I believe you said you have three three left. I'm down to two. Yeah. Oh, no, you're that. down to two now. That's right, because we just did Candace Bergen. So you're down to two. So. Flip a coin and tell us which one you want to tell us about. 
I have to go with um, the one that anyone would expect me to talk about. <laughs> of course, it's Justin Timberlake, who absolutely will get a vote on my ballot. Uh, again, you know, talking about dominating your era from a cast perspective, like how about from a host perspective who comes in during a particular era of the show and becomes that cast's pretty much favorite host. I mean, just like, you know what a Justin Timberlake episode looks like. And I believe last time we did this in May, Andrew Dick and I argued hard if that is a good thing or not to have a host come in and have a template for what their episode looks like. But I believe that all of the greatest hosts in the history of the show have some version of a template. So I don't think that Mulaney has one at this point. For sure. And I don't think you should be penalized for that. And I think that I, I won't debate uh, the merits of Mulaney versus Neverlake in case somebody else has Mulaney on their ballot. But I'll just say for me personally, Justin, um, it changed the game for me as far as hosts were concerned. I think there's, you know, you know that the show felt the same way when they put him and Jimmy out at SNL 40 for the cold open to be the ones to open the show. And just in terms of like, everybody knows my love for him, but just in terms of just a, a pure talent, uh, the fact that he can act, he can dance and he can sing. And, you know, I go back to like uh, his season 32 episode, which is the Dick in the Box episode. And he's performing there. And there's times where he like, he'll perform, uh, He'll go like cold open into the monologue and then go perform and then into sketches or whatever. And he is just like putting on an absolute show the same way that you would go to a Justin Timberlake concert and walk away and be like, damn, that was amazing. Whenever he hosts the show, it is an event. So for me, he is no doubt on my ballot and I know he'll get it in eventually uh, as long as I keep fighting for him. <laughs> you can't give up the fight. Um, Bill and Sammy, I wasn't paying attention to whether you nodded or shook your head. So you'll have to just tell us, Bill, does Justin Timberlake appear on your ballot? Yeah, he's he's definitely in for me. Definitely the best uh, recurring host of the last 20 years. First two episodes are complete up and down classics. All the different things that he, he did besides the stuff he did with Andy, the Barry Gibb talk show, the hip hop kids, uh, was it one of the Target lady sketches? Yeah, it's it's a no brainer. Plus, he was the musical guest three times while he was hosting. So um yeah, no, not any doubt in my mind that he should be in for sure. Yeah, it it it, it might just be a waiting game. Where did he land last year? Thirty four point eight. So whether or not we see a move this year to the plus or the minus will really tell the tale. I think whether this is going to be a waiting game or whether he's just not going to, you know, he's he's lost with the nineties for some reason. Sammy. So uh, he is on my list. There was in in my when I was going through this, um, just looking at like stats wise. I mean, the the one thing that was holding me back, and maybe this shouldn't be a factor, is he he has not appeared on the show in like ten years, like at all, like in like cameos or anything. Like I think SNL forty was his last appearance. If we're counting that as, I mean, obviously it's part of SNL, but as far as like the actual show is concerned, like I don't think he's appeared since like he hosted last, which. I guess it's like a, a little concerning to me, but I mean, if you're looking at the actual work that he put in, he's been involved in sketches, or been, you know, parts of sketches that are, you know, some of the most famous of the last couple decades, you know, things we've mentioned like Dick in the Box and all those sketches with, with Andy and everything he did with Jimmy Fallon. I'm hoping that if he does make it on the Hall of Fame and he somehow sees that he's made the SNL Hall of Fame, that convinces him to come back to the show, even if it's for a cameo. Like, that's 
John, I'm sure you could would agree you'd want that. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say well. convinces him to come on our podcast, which I would oh, be open. That, well, yeah, I'd yeah, be, I, would be a, I would be open to it, you know? No, like we had Bobby <laughs> yeah. on when he returned to the show after many years. We got to have Justin as well. Like that, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, like I would be able to speak. It'd be fine. Yeah, I was going to say, who's <laughs> going to host since John will be comatose? <laughs> um, get a little puppet of John and someone will... Um, We'll, the, we'll keep it. We'll, we'll, keep we'll get. We'll get Bill Hader. We'll keep it going with Sammy for your next pick. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think this is my my last pick. I think everything else has been said um, for me. And honestly, I was I was really in between here on whether to go with a musical guest, which I which I kind of secure the spot for, or kind of a a, a passion pick. And like right here at the end, I, I think I'm 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 mixing the musical guest and I'm putting in someone you just mentioned, John. I'm putting in John Mulaney because he like you said, when it comes when it comes to, you know, having a formula for a hosting gig for the last five years, when John Mulaney has come onto the show, you've known it's been like a stellar all star episode, one of the highlights of the season. And I think going back to my kind of oscar brain and and movie brain you know there's something that kind of happens where you're kind of not giving people their flowers you know during the time that they're they're really succeeding you kind of have all these makeup awards you know later down on the line you're acknowledging something you know 10 15 years later and i think it's time to acknowledge now john mulaney the second fastest person to join the five timers club since buck henry you know my stock i'm buying stock on this john mulaney run early because I think this is the year that will kind of prove whether or not he kind of is like the next like Buck Henry or Steve Martin, someone that's going to be hosting and potentially breaking a record, um, you know, um, in the coming years. But I think it's possible. And this doesn't even mention the fact that he was a writer on the show during, you know, one of my favorite eras. And, you know, we're talking about him as a host and he's able to bring that flavor and even in some cases bring sketches that, you know, he had in mind for his time on the show and, and, and bring it into this new uh, cast. And you know, I'm hoping he's given the opportunity to do that again uh, this year. So I, I'm putting in John Mulaney as somebody who I, I think we, we should we should reward him now for, you know, kind of the work he's he's been doing the last couple of years. All right. John Mulaney. Interesting pick. I mean, nothing against my namesake, but it's it's too soon. Uh, I, I just think, you know, he's hosted five years in a row. I don't think the Mulaney story has been told yet and that's not his fault uh i just don't know that we if we have like a closing chapter to that and you know similar to the way that we're not putting in current cast members i i sort of feel like though Mulaney had a very great run as a writer on the show which we're not i'm not trying to take away from that which that chapter has been closed but if he was nominated in the writing category i think we could start to talk about him there but if he's nominated in the hosting category i feel like this is a story that's ongoing so for me it's really hard to evaluate and compare him to some of the other you know people on my ballot yeah, same here. Uh, you, you almost compare it to, uh, you know, managers in, in baseball or, or coaches in football. They want to make sure they're absolutely retired before you put them in the Hall of Fame. Uh, because, you know, there's, if there's still more to be said, you don't know. You know, what if the next four hosting gigs are just the worst things we've ever seen? Unlikely, but I would be very close in another five years if he's hosted 10 years in a row. Then we really have to start talking about him, but um, I'm not there yet with John. Well, where, who are you with? I think this will be your last pick. 
I believe so. Uh, I am going to put in a musical guest. Went back and forth on this, but I, I have to put in Dave Grohl uh, for his overarching story with the show. Been an 11-time musical guest with three different bands, uh, two of which are, you know, all-time all-time bands. Uh, obviously, the Foo Fighters and Nirvana. And he's just been around the show so much. And uh, there's certain anthems that you think of with the show, especially when it comes to music. I think of Paul Simon singing with Art Garfunkel, George Harrison being on the show. And I think Dave Grohl is kind of the the modern equivalent of, of somebody like that. Them singing times like these after uh, Biden won in 2020 was kind of one of those snapshot moments of of the history of, of the country, not only SNL. So I wanted to make sure there was some kind of representation with musical guests. So I'm, I'm going with Dave Grohl here. I like it. I like the pick a lot. John, how did you feel about it? This was my last pick as well. And I think regardless of trying to represent the category, I think Dave Grohl deserves to get in no matter what, because I think his contribution, obviously the Nirvana performance is known as like one of the most iconic musical moments in the history of the show. Then he comes in with Who Fighters, who have been there so many times, uh, let alone another time with them, Crooked Vultures. And it just seems like whenever they need a big musical moment or somebody to step in, it's, it's let's call Dave and, and get his band uh, into the show. And I always, my, my thoughts and feelings on music has always been that that particular segment of the show is not as easy to evaluate or talk about because it's extremely subjective. It's like, do you like this music or do you not? But you can't argue against the facts and the stats that Dave has put up as a musical guest. I mean, he's, he's been there a lot. I mean, he, he's uh, also appeared in sketches himself a few times. So for me, he is what I would call on accomplishments as far as accomplishments are concerned, uh, the greatest musical guest in the history of the show. And as a result, I think we have to put him in the Hall of Fame if this category is going to be taken seriously. Uh, yeah, 100%, 100% agree. And Sammy, you're off the hook, obviously, because you've, you've exhausted your list, so I don't have to bore well, you by asking my question again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny, though, because he was the musical guest I had picked. Oh, uh, really? For, for, yeah, for, for obvious reasons. And... Yeah, like like I said, uh, you know these last three spots here on, on my ballot, like they're when I when I actually vote, like they're they're still in play, and you know I think as far as musical guests are concerned, like my biggest kind of debate was between that and Paul McCartney, and I mean there there was good discussion uh, last year uh, when Paul McCartney was on the ballot about the Beatles, and obviously during um, you know Lauren's offer to get the Beatles on the show, like that yeah. argument was definitely enticing but when it comes to kind of like what these guys said like number of appearances and, and, and stuff like that i mean if any musical guest should get in it, it is dave Grohl, and he he might still end up getting my vote but you know i, I did want to keep things a little interesting and, and not have us all have the same ballot nobody no listener wants to hear that so no you know i, I did it for the fans well stay tuned for february 6th when we reveal that's next week we reveal the class of season two, I guess, is what we'll end up calling this. And the next one will be the class of season three. This uh, is a great deal of help for me that you guys have lent some time and thought behind this. It helps shape what the hall is. The people who listen to this, no doubt, 
you know, take what you have to say very seriously and, uh, and hopefully vote, you know, with the newly acquired information that they've received. Where can they find more of you should they want to find more of you through socials or whatnot, Mr. Kenny? Well, thanks for having me again, Jamie. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. Always uh, fun to talk about the history of the show. You can follow me at BKLove73 on all the socials. Great. Sammy. Yes, you guys can find me at that Sammy K on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And find me all over the SNL network, including our Superfan Takeovers, where I'm on the show with Bill and Andrew Haynes and Andrew Haskell talking about our favorite moments from SNL history and a lot of the people that uh, were on the ballot today. So definitely, if you want to hear even more about their time on SNL, like definitely check out our show. John. Well, uh, I guess if you're listening to this on January 30th, when it comes out, right, Jamie, that's the date? Yeah. All right. Well, then I hope you enjoyed that amazing Michael B. Jordan episode of Saturday Night Live. How good was right. that, right? <laughs> so uh, hopefully, hope <laughs> so you enjoyed good. that and enjoyed our hot take show and are looking forward to uh, the next episode of SNL coming right up. Uh, I'm going to manifest the Justin Timberlake episode of Saturday Night Live coming up next. But yeah, I mean, this is really fun, obviously, to be with all of you. You can find me at John Schneider 24 if you ever want to chat SNL. Always love getting to hear from uh, everyone in our community and for what we are doing at the Saturday Night Network. We have four shows a week that cover modern day SNL. We have our hot take shows immediately after the episode airs, our roundtables on Monday, where we break down the episode even further and discuss historical context, our by the number shows on Wednesday night, where we talk about statistics and our patron feedback shows on Thursdays, where we answer your questions about SNL and look forward to the next week. You can always podcast with us if you would like by registering at patreon.com slash the SNL network. And Jamie, just want to thank you as always for including uh, myself and all of the personalities at the Saturday Night Network on your platform. Uh, it's a privilege getting to, uh, you know, be in tandem with you guys and and help the SNL Hall of Fame continue to grow. So I uh, appreciate you, Jamie and Thomas. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That means a lot. That's what I've got for you this week. Thank you very much for joining me. If you'll do me one favor on your way down the hallway make a right at the weekend update exhibit and turn out the lights because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Do-ra. Podcasts and such.